0: I'm Deontay Burden, and I'm down to dunk. I'm Hamaru Diallo. Hey, I'm Danilo Gallinari. I'm Chris Paul, and I'm down to dunk. I'm Lou Dort, and I'm down to Dort.
1: What's Dort? I, I'm not going to lie. I don't know what that was. In English, bro. I'm Darius Basley, and I'm down to dunk. I'm Gildas Alexander. I'm Steven Adams. I'm Andre Robinson and I'm down to dunk. Yeah. On you. Welcome to Down to Dunk. I'm your host Andrew Schleck. We're part of CLNS Media and DailyThunder.com dot And with me today is my good friend McKelly Bear. McKelly, what's up?
0: Well, we have an interesting week of basketball ahead. Like Lakers, no Clippers, Lakers, Lakers, right?
1: Yeah, um, yeah. Lots of lots of LA happening this week, which is uh, in the past. You know, it's kind of funny. The Thunder haven't had to experience like a ton of like great LA teams. Um, at least mm-hmm. them being great at the same time. And this year, it's uh, it's a bit different. And, uh, and we've got some homecomings for some players mm-hmm. tonight. Uh, you know, I, I, the Clippers fans were not... Of course, they should be happy with the team they have, and especially with the way Paul George has played. But the return of Shea is, is kind of an interesting one because I think he's a guy that they thought they'd get to see grow with their franchise mm-hmm. a little bit. And we're probably surprised at the kind of player that they got in Shea Gilsch Alexander. And you know, you look at his stats. You just just pull up his basketball reference page, and you look at it. You know, he jumped up from twenty six to thirty five minutes, but he's doubled just about everything as far as production goes. He's doubled his field yeah. goal attempts. He's doubled his points. He's doubled his rebounding. I mean, it's been it's been a massive jump, and you know, we've seen it pretty much since the start of the season, so it doesn't feel surprising now. But if you rewound and said, you know, twelve games in, SGA is going to be averaging twenty points, five boards, three assists, uh, almost a steal, and half a block a game, and only two turnovers. I think that the NBA world would be shocked. Like if, at the yeah. time of the trade, if if you were able to read those stats out, I think everybody would have been like, what the Thunder got also Gallinari and they got how many picks like that's yeah. the guy they got. I think that people would be surprised and you know, it, the trade I think is obviously you, I don't think you'd ever say that the Clippers lost the trade because they got not only Paul George, but they got Kawhi Leonard to sign. Like that's a win every time, but a hall, the hall that the Thunder got, even if it was, even if Shay was like one of the only things and they didn't get as many picks, you'd say like, that's a great trade. But I think looking back in the next you know, six or seven years, we look back at the trade, it's going to be a franchise-defining trade. Because whether or not Shea sticks around and is like the lead guard for this next like Thunder era, like one, he's a tremendous asset to have if you're going to use him in a trade, which I don't think they will, but I'm just saying the value that they got I think people look back and say, it's, I'm not sure that anybody's gotten that kind of value for a yeah. superstar before.
0: Yeah, and I think that <clears throat> it's interesting also to compare the two trades that the LA teams uh, did before the season start. I mean, yeah. one got Anthony Davis for uh, like a good package, and sure. the other got Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. And I like what you said about losing the trade, like I don't care how Paul George and Kawhi Leonard play this season or the next one, or like for their career in LA, it's not the point of the trade. the The perspective in which you should look to, to the trade is what is the one of the likeliest outcome of this. Like you, you trade for the opportunity to try out. Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. Mm-hmm. You don't try for just for, the, you don't do a trade just for the results. It's not only result based. It's, of course, uh, if, if everything go, goes well for LA, it's even better. But the point is, you do it because trade uh, pairing Kawhi Leonard and Paul George is a good idea, period. Yeah. And yes, there are concerns about health and blah, blah, blah. Same with um, Anthony Davis and LeBron James. Those are unique situations and both LA teams paid a lot. Uh, up I mean, I don't know today uh, if I like the package uh, that OKC got more than the one that uh, New Orleans got, or vice versa. Those are very, very similar one in terms of in terms of value. But yeah, I mean, the fact that you can say that um, twelve games into the season, it's it's impressive, especially the way Brandon Ingram is playing right now. Uh, like, I didn't expect that to be true, and all thing considered, I think the two packages are very, very similar.
1: Yeah, they are. Would you rather have Ingram or Shea, just in a vacuum, let's take their contracts out of it, because I think, with the contracts, I think it's an easy pick, because I don't know what to you'd pay Brandon Ingram, he's probably playing himself into a max-level contract coming yeah. off of his rookie deal, and it's still hard to kind of peg what kind of player he's going to be, is he a player that's going to help you win, because they sure haven't won a whole lot with him this year. And so, um, you know, how do you build around him? I think it's more complicated when you bring in the contract stuff, but, you know, what? what's your evaluation on? Which, which player would you rather have? Because they're both unique talents.
0: Yeah, and I don't, I don't think it's hard to build around Ingram necessarily. Um, he is a, like a peculiar player, but a yeah. versatile one. So, especially defensively, he can play like multiple position, uh, multiple positions. Offensively, maybe his three point shot is not the the way uh, you want him it to be. But I mean, he's a pretty versatile player as well. So it's it's really hard. I mean, I would say that if Shea like next year has the production of Ingram that Ingram is having this year, mm-hmm. I think you are more than happy. So I, I would factor the health concern. Into yeah, this, because sure. there are real health concern about Brandon Ingram. Uh, blood clots are not an easy thing to treat, nor uh, like a small thing. It could be very big, and so um, it's a good battle. I mean, probably f- for recency bias and whatever, I would pick Shea, but mainly because I, I haven't seen everything he can do. I I I think that Ingram has a sort of ceiling. It is all star, but not. Way behind, beyond that, yeah. maybe Shea is the same, um, and Shea has to to confirm that He's even in some all star conversations, the uh, conversation. But I, I would play my odds with Shea to be to be honest. A very very convoluted answer to say Shea probably because of the ceiling and blah blah blah. But
1: but yeah, yeah. yeah Ingram's stats are kind of insane: twenty five mm-hmm. points, seven rebounds, almost four assists, almost a steal and a block forty six point nine percent from three on five attempts I mean he's been he's been insane this year and mm-hmm. you know it's not his I guess I kind of probably it's not his fault they're losing you know if they had yeah. a full complement of players they would be better um, yeah. but he's just Oh, I mentioned forty-seven. Yeah, wow. Yeah, that that uh, that, that very stupid
0: uh, me to say that the uh, three-point shot is not where you want to be. It's it's even more this season. Yeah, he's I mean, had it, it,
1: his 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 kind of history with the three-point shot has been interesting because his first year, twenty-nine percent on two-point-five attempts, and then this the the last two seasons he's only took taken 1.8 threes yeah. per game. And then he's bumped that up to five point four, and he's shooting the lights out. And so I don't know if that's a blip on the radar. He's played nine games. He's he's been hurt, which again is a concern for him. Um, but he's played really well, and he's yeah. he's got right knee soreness. He's day to day as of right now. But um, I, I would probably just give the nod to Shea because of injuries and mm-hmm. the, the the injury scares. You know, that scares the crap out of me. With the blood mm-hmm. clot stuff. I mean, you just don't want to mess with that. That could be, um, that could be in his career. You know. Yeah. So that scares me. But with, with with that said, a guy at that size, if he can maintain not forty six, but if he can main, maintain even thirty seven, yeah, on five attempts, and can he handle huge. and can pass and can do everything he does, I would probably pick him. But the injury stuff is real, and when you're talking about the yeah. future of your franchise, like you could, like he could be the future of New Orleans franchise. He really could. He's 22, and he was the yeah. number two pick. Uh, but like I, I don't want to risk injury stuff because I mean, you look at a guy like John Wall who had a great start to his season, derailed or great start to his career, derailed by injuries, and now like you're just stuck. Yeah, and you're the Wizards, and you're just completely stuck because of it. And a, and a guy who's not that old. And so with Ingram, that, that scares me. And so I, I pick shade just based on that. But if we're just talking just raw numbers, what they are, their body type, I think it's harder to find a guy like Ingram, um, Yeah. to be honest.
0: My two favorite things are Thunder Basketball and Christmas. That's right. The Christmas season is just around the corner, and I want to invite you and your family to a free event that kicks off this December and the Christmas season, opening night. For all details, you can go to openingnightokc.com. At this event, we have plenty of fun attractions planned for you and your family, including a ride-along story, a petting zoo, a photo booth, a puppet theater, and a really awesome Christmas concert. We would love for you to come and join us at Opening Night, openingnightokc.com. So come out December 1st from 4 p.m. to 9 p.m. at Council Road Baptist Church and join us at Opening Night opening night OKC.com. we would love to see you merry christmas and it was all like i remember uh, watching him at the mcdonald or america before the draft then mm-hmm. the entire season uh at duke and he was he was a pure scorer with a very beautiful touch not yeah. a very good free throw shooter and i remember us discussing him and sim or simmons him or simmons and it uh-huh. wasn't really a question up to this season like it was ben simmons hands down oh yeah he he was the best player period and now with this season i wonder how much the la development um of ingram has to do with this like he seems to play with a different kind of freedom and in new orleans so i wonder uh, if Now we are really seeing the potential of the top two of the draft this season because Simas, he didn't have a great start of the season, uh, but he's still like an amazing talent. And now we are starting to see what Ingram can do. And it's actually uh, very, very interesting now to go back and see uh, like what we thought about those two players uh, into the draft.
1: Sure. And it's about, I mean, a lot of this stuff is about fit and opportunity right? Especially with these superstars. I mean, you put Ingram in the place or you put Simmons in the place of Ingram. And what is he doing in new Orleans where it's just like, okay, we're going to play fast and you're going to have the ball in your hands all the time. Yeah. We've got capable shooters around you. Yeah. Let's see what you can do. I think he'd be putting up monster numbers in new Orleans right now. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, And then you put Ingram with that big team in Philly it's kind of a weird fit. Like they're just kind of a weird fit team, and mm-hmm. who's supposed to have the ball? Who's the go-to guy? Maybe Ingram's a better fit as a go-to guy than Simmons is. Um, mm-hmm. But a lot of it's just about fit and opportunity. I mean, even SGA. Like if SGA is on this Clippers team, where you have Lou Williams and you have Kawhi and you have Paul George and you have all these guys that take possessions, well, he's going to just fit right. He's just going to fit right in where he's supposed to, right? Yeah, like I don't. He's not a twenty-point scorer on that team, I don't think. And no, so, I don't think so. Even with Kawhi, like, do they rely on him to score twenty points a game, or are they giving the ball to to Sweet Lou? Probably giving it to Lou a lot because he's a reliable scorer. Um, so I think it's a, it's just interesting because someone's got to score the points. You look, everybody, like, yeah. everybody's like, "Oh, Eric Pascal's so great," like he's a good player, sure, but everybody's talking about how much how many points he scored. Someone has to score. Like, someone yeah. has to score the points. Like, every, every NBA team, every single night is going to score 85 to 100 points or more per game. That's going to happen. It happens. Who scores them is, is not always indicative of who the best players are in the league or, like, who the up-and-coming guys are. Like, someone has to score. I mean, you look at the process Sixers. Someone had to score. Yeah. I mean, no one's averaging 40 points a game. It's not yeah, happening. Yeah,
0: Cas- Casper Ware was scoring in the NBA so. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you just get your dig on Casper Ware. Um well, no, I, I loved
0: him here and uh, he played uh, maybe uh, not everyone remember the story he played in my hometown here mm-hmm. in Casale and it was spectacular. Yeah. For this season he was just like uh, it was pure energy uh, on the court, but he's not like an NBA player. But by, sure. by any stretch of imagination, his size is, um, uh, I, I don't think he's 5'10. I yeah. know, probably is below that. So, uh, but the point is, as you said, I mean, someone has to score. And a lot of the evaluation of a player is watching the type of baskets he makes. Yeah. And that's why I think that. Uh, it's, it's interesting to evaluate Shea on that because sometimes it's just, I have the ball, I have to do something. And and Billy talked about that uh, in, the, um, in the media scrum after mm. the game against Philly. He was just out there trying to force the issue. That's not what I want for him. Uh, and it's important that Shea realizes that 38 minutes... It's a long time. You can do multiple things, and you have to make the right choices and be assertive with them. And so, I think that the way in which you score 20 points, it's it's really meaningful. And Shea, uh, most times than not, he is doing the right the right thing. Oh yeah. And, um, and yeah, so that's those are different 20 points than uh, like just 20 on a losing team.
1: Yeah. No, I. I don't I don't watch Shay and think what he's doing is unsustainable. You know, I think yeah. some guys when when they're on these hot streaks even like ferguson and schroeder and those guys last season in the middle of the season when the thunder were just killing teams mm-hmm. it's like okay like this this will not happen for the rest of the season like this just can't yeah. continue like these guys aren't going to shoot 50 percent from three and maybe there's part of that with shea like is shea a 40 percent three point shooter i don't know but watching him shoot i don't think oh, this is, gonna, this is not going to go well for him for the rest of the season. He may fall off some, and he already has yeah. a little bit. But the fact that he i mean—he took a three off the dribble with a guy right in his face against Philly. And like mm-hmm. those are the type of things that I watch, and I'm like, okay. Like, this, that, those are the points of where you have to kind of reevaluate the type of player he could be. Because yeah. he wasn't really doing that last year. And the fact that he can get that shot off with somebody right in his grill is huge. He's hit step-back threes this year. He's hit threes off the dribble. Those are big-time shots for him because those are ceiling razors. I think him yeah. getting to the rim, he just glides across the court, and he just he tricks guys with his misdirection and his ability to stop and start. I mean, I, I, I've said in the past, like, he's herky-jerky. He's not at all. He glides. I mean, the guy just glides around defenders, and I, he's just an amazing guy to watch. Because he'll have at least one or two plays every game where you're like, "Oh wow, like, there are yeah. there are not ten other players in the league that can do that, that can trick guys like that." And he's still so young. And once he figures out, and this will be, this is the thing that Harden figured out, you know, within his like fourth or fifth year in the league, is that once you figure out how to get guys to foul you, yeah. those are the type of guys that if they can get you to foul them, they're unstoppable. You're absolutely yep. unstoppable. And if Shea can figure that out, because that's what's hard, That's what Harden's figured out. That's why he's going to average 38 to 40 points a game this year. Is one, he's taking, is he taking like 14 or 15 threes a game? Like, that's crazy. <laughs> that's crazy. That's I mean, the Thunder weren't taking 14 threes as a team like five years ago. So, oh, yeah. like, I mean, it's just nuts. But the fact that he gets to the free throw line and he makes his free throws, that's why he's such a deadly scorer. It's because he's either going to kill you with a three, he's going to get to the rim, or he's going to he's going to lure you into fouling him. And Shea has that potential. And if he can reach that, or he can get up to nine or ten free throws per game, then we're talking about a true star. And there's a lot of buzz right now. We have Doc Rivers saying so many great things about Shea. We've got the players for the Clippers saying great things about him. He's going to be, you know, future all-star Steve Kerr saying great things about him. That's great. That's awesome He's got to put it together He's got to take more threes and he's got to learn how to get fouled and get to the free throw line more And once he does those things That's how he becomes a star because he can do the other stuff. He can get to the rim He can find guys he can defend he can do all those things But once he really puts together A three-point shot that you can't stop and getting to the free throw line. That's a superstar and he's got it. And it's, it's, it's really crazy to think that the Thunder got that guy in, in that Paul George trade. But, um, you know, you're starting to see flashes of it. And you're starting to see more and more. And I love the way that Billy talked about him. You mentioned it already. Talked about him post-game. You can see the development that's going to happen under Billy Donovan. Whether or not Billy is the coach for the future, I don't know. But for this season in particular, I think they're guiding him in the right direction, which is really encouraging.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that if you look at the development, it, the, the development in the NBA is never linear, or it's it can be non-linear. Let's put it this way. Yeah. But the jump that he made from last season to this season, where I thought, well, he will play off of Chris Paul, uh, he will be uh, not as passive probably as last year, uh, but but not like. The, the first guy on offense and sure. like even in games like the one against Philly where he wasn't probably the first guy uh, Chris was he was still pretty effective and his usage was not low like 19 shots is not nothing yeah. and and so he he's really he has made the jump a huge jump and also in terms of like stuff that he does on the court like the pull up was not there last season. I oh. don't remember. I watched like, I don't know, five, six, seven games of him last season. And the pull-up from three was not there. I remember the pull-up from, I don't know, 10, 15 feet. That I remember well. And it was very good in rhythm. But the way in which he shots the ball from three now, it's different from last season. The The full shooting motion is not the same. And it's soft. I, I know that it, it might be not 40 percent worthy uh for for the season but even if you do like 37 38 this looks like a good shot and so i don't know how much he he will how quickly he will develop the ability to sustain contact and and draw fouls but that will be crucial uh and, and i think it will come and it's also something about the referees i mean we all know that if you are a star player, you are refereed in a different, like the referees will treat you in a different way yep. because it's just that. You you are able, uh, it's like something like the chicken and egg thing where on one hand you're hard to officiate, then you get more calls and blah, blah. But anyway, um, there is you, you need to earn the respect to some degree. To the referees, and I think that uh, the in, the way in which Shea plays uh, bonds well with that, like goes well with that, because he is really um, doing stuff at the rim that no one else does, or very few players do. And so, I think uh, the whistle will come uh, eventually.
1: Yeah. Speaking of something that people do, KP's cleaning service cleaned my house on Friday, and I'll tell you, oh. it was so nice. To walk home walk into my home and see just the whole house just like just shining i mean it it felt clean it looked clean it was just amazing every single room they just they just go the extra mile for you and so you got to contact kp's cleaning service 405-290-8172 they'll give you a free quote they'll come clean your house and i'm telling you you got thanksgiving coming up You're going to need a clean house. you got Christmas coming up. You're going to need a clean house. And I promise you, you probably don't have time to do it. And you're thinking, how am I going to get this done? KP's Cleaning Service has got your back. They service OKC metro area and all surrounding areas. Great people. Just a fantastic service. You can find them on Facebook and Instagram. Search KP's Cleaning Services. And they're amazing. So support the people that support Down to Dunk and contact KP's Cleaning Services. Okay, so let's take a look at some overall numbers for the Thunder. Right now on offense, they're sitting at 23rd at a 104.8. On defense, they're at a 104.7. That is 12th in the NBA. They're just barely over the negative on net rating, .1, which is 15th in the league just smack dab in the middle, which just feels right. Mm. Like they're just like they're just yeah. kind of an average NBA team, they're not spectacular at, at offense or defense and, um, but it does feel like they're starting to put it together, um, yeah. especially on the offensive end. And I say, I say they're starting to put it together. They're so bad in Indiana. We haven't we had <laughs> entirely talked about it. they're so bad. And one thing I was looking at offensive rating and Fred posted about this, the wizards are number one in offensive rating in the league, which is just crazy uh, yeah, but they're also one or 29th twenty ninth in defense. How in the world did the Thunder only put up eighty five points against that defense of the Wizards at home? Like that's an astonishing thing. We've seen. I think we've seen the the basement of this Thunder team twice this season. It's been against the Wizards at home and against Indiana on the road. Uh, and then I we saw the ceiling of what they could be. You know, against the Sixers, man. They were so good. yeah. Um, and if they can, they don't have to be as good as they were against the Sixers every night, but the offense just flowed. Like, it just looked good. They were able to get good shots. They were making those shots. Um, it was it was pretty outstanding. I'm going to try to get the numbers for, the, like, the last five or six games because that Indiana game is going to kill them. But um, I feel like they just haven't been quite as bad. Yeah, On offense, they're 17th, 109.0. Mm-hmm but their defense yeah. has fallen off a cliff, 113.7. And that's probably the Indiana game, just skewing everything. But yeah. um, on offense, they seem to be figuring it out and getting more comfortable. And part of that's just been Chris Paul being a lot better.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he played his best game against the um, the Sixers. He was not great against uh, Indiana, uh, to oh, say the yeah, least. That's,
1: uh, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's kind. Yeah. Yeah. Um,
0: he said something weird at the end of the game that I don't want to overanalyze. Say that they yeah. let me hoop today. I don't know what that means. He probably just felt better uh, on the court yeah, against the I asked Sixers. about that.
1: I asked a lot of people oh, about okay. that. I talked to Nick Gallo yeah. about it, and I was like, what's your feel for, like, how did, like, what does that mean? And mm. the kind of what I got from a lot of people is that they thought that he meant the Sixers, which I don't know if I believe that. Like, I don't know if that's, if I believe that they let me hoop. They let me play today. They, a lot of people thought that he meant the 76ers and the way they defended because they did not defend well. Like That's supposed to be the best defensive team in the league heading into the season. They were not yeah. that uh, no, no, on no. Friday night in OKC. That was It was pretty pathetic, actually, um, <laughs> the way that they were playing. Because, I mean, Joel Embiid, they had zero blocks. I tweeted that the other night. They had yeah. zero blocks. And you're starting Joel Embiid, yeah. Al Horford, Ben Simmons, Tobias Harris. Like you're massive, and the Thunder mm-hmm. don't always put out a big lineup, and they're getting in the. They've scored fifty two points in the paint, fifty two. You don't block them yeah. one time. Like yeah, that's that's effort, energy, heart, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know what happened with the with with their defense. Uh, Surely they they decided to drop everything and not to fight on screen, which is not a very good recipe to play against Chris Paul, because I. I, Yeah, he can kill you, especially if you don't put pressure on the screen. Yeah. And so, I mean, I don't know why they they played that way, Um, but I also don't know why OKC played the exact same way against Indiana. Oh, my (laughs) goodness, I know. They they played in the same way. Like, Mm -hmm. they were were having, they were basically going um, over the screen uh, without any kind of energy uh, and, and dropping the big so that the guy could, could take a shot from the mid-range. But TJ Warren and Malcolm Brogdon are good enough mid-range shooter where you either push, you either force the screen so you, you really stay close to them and try to avoid them shooting or you just go under. Yep. And the Sixers did the exact same against uh, both Gallo and, and Chris Paul, and and the shots went in from the beginning, and and, and that's what that was it. I mean, you cannot defend a dropping coverage without putting any sort of pressure on the handler. That's yep. this is not going to work. Like dropping doesn't mean playing lazy defense; it means just trying to. To lure the offense into a semi-contested uh, mid-range shot, not not an open one.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I kind of veered off of the Chris Paul <laughs> comment, um, <laughs> oh, but I don't I don't know what he meant. He he could have meant the team. He could have meant Billy. I don't know, but every the message I got it was the Sixers. And I'll tell you, there's no. I have not heard, seen anything that says that Chris Paul is unhappy. Or doesn't like his role or anything like that. I'm not saying that that can't be true. Like it could be true. I don't obviously don't hear everything um, that goes yeah. on within the Thunder, but there's been no indication that he's unhappy, and I, I think that he understands that his ticket out of OKC, which I think he does. He wants. I think he would like to get out of OKC because I think he wants to contend. He knows that yeah. his time is limited, and if you haven't won a title boy, it would be nice to do that, and it would be nice to get onto a team that is going to win one in the next three or four years, and the Thunder just aren't. And so his ticket out of here, playing well, is number one. He's got to play well. And if he continues to play, he doesn't have to be as good as he was against the Sixers, but if he can come meet in the middle and be just a good, solid player. And then two, he's got to be good in the locker room. And if he's bad in the locker room and he doesn't play well, who's going to trade for that contract? Nobody, nobody, he's going to have to request a buyout and then the Thunder don't get anything in return and then he loses money. I mean, it's a bad, it's a bad deal for everybody. And so make no mistake, it's good for everybody for for him to play well and for him to be good in the locker room. And I, I don't expect any less from him. I'd actually be really shocked if at some point this season we heard that Chris Paul's Unhappy that he's throwing fits in the locker room, that he's fighting with coaches. I just don't expect to see that because it's just not in his best interest. And he's a smart guy. He knows. Yeah. And with the Rockets, it was just a different situation. He was mad and throwing fits because he wanted to win. And he didn't like the way they played sometimes, and it was hard for him to play that way. And so, yeah, he's throwing fits about that. But he's not going to throw fits, you know, playing with the Thunder because one, he gets to kind of do a lot of things he wants to do. He gets to mentor young guys. And if he does if he's gonna hurt his own trade value. And he also knows the Thunder aren't just gonna attach picks to get him to trade him. Oh They're, no, no, a, no. they're not going to. That's not gonna happen. Because the Thunder are building towards something and, and if people like question like, oh, like the value of one pick or two picks I think Alex and I will probably dive into this a little bit on Wednesday, but there's a Wall Street Journal article written about the trade from Richard Lewis so that Sam Presti executed yeah. and what it led to. It basically led to this package of Shea Gilesh, Alexander, Danilo Gallinari, and all these picks. I mean, one trade to get one pick and 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 this also goes to everybody's like, Oh, why did we trade Jeremy Grant? We got rid of Jeremy Grant, he'd be so good for this team. Well, one, it saved the Thunder a boatload of money. Two they're probably not going to pay Jeremy next summer. And honestly, if they really wanted to, they could find a way to pay him next summer if they wanted to, and still get him back on the yeah. team. But they're not <laughs> exactly. Gonna, they're not going to do that. Um, no. But that pick, you don't know what that pick is going to lead to. It Maybe nothing. But one of the picks that they ended up getting turned into Serge Ibaka. Yeah. And we all know the Serge Ibaka eventually became Paul George, eventually became all this huge pack. You just don't know what it's going to lead to, and so. The, the trade for Jeremy Grant could end up being that. The trade for Danello Gallinari could end up being the future of the franchise. You just don't know. And that's why you just don't just throw these things away. Like, oh, we got to attach some picks to get rid of Chris Paul. No, you don't. Because yeah, this, th- those only- are valuable. And getting rid of Chris Paul is not going to increase the value of your franchise. It's just not.
0: Yeah, the only uh, way in which I can see a pick going like, away from OKC it's if you get something back. Yeah. He's a young player. Like if you like the point of giving up the pick is that the other so, the other team, in order to match uh, Chris Paul's salary, needs to include a player of certain value, yep. like maybe um, a former first round pick or um, or something like that. Sure. And so if you like this is not the trade that uh Miami will uh, entertain now that that uh, Tyler Hero is it's playing like Sensational basketball, or at least very good basketball. But say that you did you want to do a trade uh, for Chris Paul, uh, and you put maybe um, a first rounder or like two bad first rounders. I don't know to get Hero plus whatever salary filler. That makes sense. But it's not like unloading Chris Paul is giving up some value in order to get one and to match salary. Sure. So in that case, maybe uh you can do that. But. But even that, like it's it's hard to see because if that player uh, that you want in return it's good enough, then it raises your ceiling right now. And so I don't know, I don't know what um, to if if there is such a trade out there. But but yeah, like just in order to dump. Chris Paul there's no way okay so will put um, any sort of asset Speaking of Chris Paul by the way I was watching I was looking to some synergy number for him uh, and his pick and roll numbers are very very good like he ha- he's had like 90 possession uh, in pick and roll so far and he's at uh, 1.06 1. points per uh, oh, wow. points per play uh like for reference anything that is close to 1 so 0.98 .99 it's already very very good um so having something like 105 is is, is he's also uh, Chris Paul is shooting lights out um in spot up situation he is he has just 20 possessions uh like that so one and change per game um but he's having like 1.7 point per possessions mm-hmm. in such uh, like again, very very small sample size, but it matches the eye test. When Chris Paul is in the corner or Danilo is in the corner, then this team can get very good shots, and this bonds well uh, with having um, Shea gilgis Alexander um, handling the ball. Mm-hmm. Like y- you can you can put Chris in the corner. Uh, it's not ideal to have him there just, but but if you want to give Shea the ball, then this is a good way to balance your offense.
1: Oh, yeah, no doubt. And the offense has been good with Shea in, mm-hmm. on the court. I mean, on the court, the Thunder are 108.5 with Shea on. Off, it's pretty brutal, 90.6. Oh, wow. And it's
0: like, are, are those with um, uh, standard stats or without blowouts? I would be interested to stats. see. Okay, let me see if uh, the same goes with uh, blowout stuff. Yeah. I'll, I'll check. Yeah, check that. also
1: check Gallo's, because Gallo is (coughs) 113.3. Excuse me. I mean, I have had a cold for like a week, and I'm sure you can tell my voice has been not the same, and it probably won't be for a little while. Um, Gallo's 113.3, which is outstanding, which would be the best offense in the league. And then when he's off the court, 87.3, which would be the worst offense in the league. Um, Oh, wow. So... Gallo, and I think people understand the importance of Gallo and how good he is. Uh, they're nowhere close to the team they are without him. And, oh, no. You know, offensively, when they do trade him, because they're going to, that's going to happen. Prepare yourselves, Thunder fans. That is going to happen. It's going to fall off a cliff. Like, it's going to be tough. Like, it, scoring becomes a lot harder, not just because you're not getting the points and production, but you're not getting the space that you get when you put Gallo in there. Because I mean, Baisley, As much as I love Baisley, and I think he's going to be a great player, and he had that dunk on Embiid where he flew through the air and changed directions, and he, it was awesome. He's a crazy athlete. He's great. The offense, when Darius Bays has been on the court this season, is an eighty-eight point four. Yeah, I mean it's not, brutal, not and, deal. and it's not all his fault. But it's certainly not not his fault either. Um, and the offense, when he's off the court, one twelve point four, and that's just a product of playing with the bench, and the bench has, has struggled at times to score the basketball. But he's a part of this group of players that the offense just really struggles. And it's Mike Muscala, it's Darius Baisley, it's Nader, and those, it's those guys that those are the the primary guys when when they're on the court. The offense really struggles. When you get up to like guys like Nerlens, who have been on the court a lot, Diallo, like they're in the 100s, which it, which isn't ideal, um, but really the guys that are making the offense the offense run, and it's not hard to, to see why Danilo Gallinari, Stephen Adams, Shea Gilchrist, Alexander, Chris Paul, those are the best offensive players on the court um, for the Thunder, and the guys that make the offense work, and so, and we know that you know. Two of those guys, even possibly three of those guys, aren't long for the Thunder. And so when it comes to offensive production, you're going to have to figure out who's going to pick up the slack. Uh, and a guy that we're hopeful that can at least get some consistency is Terrence Ferguson, who played really well the other night. Uh, man, he's been going through so much stuff right now. And its yeah. I, I think there's some people that can identify with it and, and know like the feelings that he has, and there's a lot of us that don't. And can't identify with it at, at least firsthand. But to go through what he's going through at a young age, with his daughter and this custody battle, which it by all accounts it looks like he's the good guy in the situation. And I, I've read through the court documents, and he's it's just a struggle. It's all public record, and that's you know that's why the Oklahoman released it. That's why we all know about this now is because it's all public record. Um, but man, it's been brutal for him. And it was really nice to see him be active on the offensive end, not just stand there and wait. Cause a lot of times he was just standing there and waiting for the ball. And that's not always going to be, that's not a great recipe for good offense, but he was moving, he's moving the ball. He's moving without the ball. He was getting to the rim. He was shooting threes when he was open. He looked great and he looked confident and he cut his hair, which I, I did like the dreads, but if this haircut leads to something better for him, great. If this is like a clean start for him and, in like a metaphorical way as well. Great. Awesome. Like, that's the kind of player we know he can be. He's not... If he can score 10 points per game, great. He doesn't need to do what he did the other night, every night. But it'd be nice to see some consistency with the way he moved on the offensive end and the aggression with which he played. I don't care what the outcome is. I don't care if he scores zero points. But if he plays like that, great. It's about the process of how are you going about your offensive game. Because he's really not played like that. I know people want to reference like that first Golden State game. He didn't play like that. He didn't play that aggressive. Like he just made shots. Cool. Great. He played different against the Sixers. And that's the kind of, that's the Terrence Ferguson that, you know, people were talking about preseason. And that's the kind of guy he can be.
0: Yeah, uh, I agree. A couple of things. Uh, even with uh, cleaning the glass numbers, Gallinari is plus twenty three point seven on off uh, on um, offense. So when different. he's on the court, yeah, it's it's impressive. And Shea is at plus fourteen point one. The defense without him on the court, though, is so much better. I have still to to wrap my head my head up, okay. uh, around that because. Um, I, I, I don't know um, why this is happening, so I will pay closer attention to that. Maybe it's just the data are are not really reliable yet in terms of on-off ratings and stuff like that. But with Gallo, the, the impact that Gallo has on offense, it goes beyond raw numbers. And so you can really see uh, why he is so beneficial to, to an offense. Um, and I want to say something about Ferguson as well. I mean, going through that even if you're a bad guy say that it's all your fault if you love your daughter even if you are you have done something bad uh, this will will be in your mind every time Mm -hmm. how can you play professional basketball with that in mind like even accounting like like think about whatever you want we don't know what happened what really happened and so I mean, I can understand why a guy like him uh, can be a little bit passive on the court because there is so much. I mean, we all love to think about NBA players are, as machines go on the court and and perform, and if you don't perform, you're bad. Uh, but there are like many things that that, that go uh, that happen in, in your life, and like having to think about the custody of your own daughter while you're at work. It's uh, it's terrible to be okay. to be honest as a, as a father and I don't want to um like spend too many words on that but as a father um it's it impacts your life and so so yeah I'm glad uh that he's trying to to move forward and to take energy from that because mm-hmm. that this is what he said and and this is very important if you can try if you can take like a bad situation and make it in such a way that you can gain energy from that that is this is a, something powerful to work with, and and yeah, I mean the fur that we saw against Philly is the fur that I had in mind at the beginning of the season. Like a guy that that rushes into that that powers himself into shots, that searches for shot, that cuts, that defends. And to be honest, like the defense has been outstanding sure. since day one. Like really, really outstanding. Um, not not maybe at the level of under Robertson, like the, the best under Robertson, but. Like, Dre was not like that at his age, at Ferg's age. Ferg is 20, 21, whatever. Like, playing like that, playing like this kind of defense at 21, it's it's really insane.
1: Yeah, it is insane. You know what else is insane? This offer from Peyton Marie Photo. Peyton Marie is an Oklahoma-based wedding photographer. Her main goal is to capture authentic emotion and unforgettable moments through bold and creative images. Her photography style is non-traditional, Genuine and a bit out of the box. She believes your photos should be a true reflection of who you are and that your wedding photos shouldn't look like anyone else's. She's based in OKC, but she would love to travel anywhere for destination weddings or elopements. You can find her on Instagram. She's a great follow on Instagram at Photo. Her website is peytonmarie.com. Right now, you can get a special if you're going to book your wedding. It doesn't have to be in 2019, but if you book your wedding in 2019, She's going to give you 10% off if you mention Down to Dunk, which is super cool and a great deal. So support the people that support Down to Dunk and go to PeytonMarie.com. Okay, McKellie, the Thunder play this Clippers team. Uh, That's super good tonight, and then they get to play the Lakers tomorrow night, and they've been super good. Uh, what what are the expectations for this team and these? And then they get to play the Lakers again. So, like, what's the expectation? I mean, I would guess they'd be Owen three, but what's yeah. what are what are we looking for in these games? Because I mean, wins and losses is going to become it may not an afterthought, but it's it should become an afterthought at least through time. Because there's gonna, if you're going to you know go up and down based on wins and losses with this team. Uh, you're going to find yourself in a lot of pain <laughs> over the next couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we have to start looking for different things. Like, we have to start looking for progress in different ways. And still, you can be mad at, at the progress that isn't made. Like, that's okay. But we have to know, like, what the goal is. Like, what's the goal for this Thunder franchise? What's the goal? And if it's me and what I would want for this Thunder franchise, I want them to get stars. I want this team to be great again. I don't want to be a mediocre team. I don't want to fight for playoff positioning. I want to I want this team to dominate. Like I want this team to win a championship. And if you want that, you want them to go get the the best players. And so you can't evaluate based on wins and losses at least until they get those players. And so what are the type of things that, that you'll be looking for in these next three games?
0: Well I mean, the first thing—the first thing that, um, that I want to see is a competitive game tonight. I don't care about the result uh, because most likely uh, the Clippers will win the game. But the Clippers are a very, very good defensive team on the wings, but not a very good team um, defensively in the interior. So I want to see how Shea can go with that if he switched on George. Or Kawhi, how does he attack them? Mm -hmm. And can OKC keep the game close and and maybe try to play a fourth quarter when they have some sort of chance? Because if you you have a a blowout loss, if you suffer a blowout loss in the first night of a back-to-back, then the day after will be harsh. And so losing the opportunity to compete against those two teams at least one of the two nights would be uh, would be bad because I think that for players like Ferguson, for players like Basley, uh, Shea, and, and the youngster, uh, it's important to compete against great teams, and the two LA teams are great teams. So, if OKC somehow wins one of the three, I think it's uh it's good in from every point of view. Mm-hmm. Like one one win more will not. Uh, change dramatically the outcome of uh, of your draft position and so but, but it will it will be important because you show yourself that you can compete against great teams, against the teams that will most likely compete for the championship uh, this season. So that is what I, I'm looking for. Nothing very specific, but the way in which OKC can can keep it close against the Clippers, um, and and the way in which guys like Shea can uh, attack um, the Clippers' defense, the interior defense, and then against the Lakers. I mean, who is guarding? Um, Anthony Davis I mean I wonder what happens there if Steven <laughs> it's
1: gotta like, be steve right
0: yeah and Gallo probably plays against Howard or McGee or whoever yeah. uh, plays at the center uh, but then it means that Shea has to guard LeBron <laughs> like which is or Chris Paul so it's it's interesting or even first Ferg. yeah
1: yeah you're just maybe like, so all of them you're just like oh no like, you just yeah. see, like, this baby turtle getting ready to get run over by a truck, and you're just like, oh, no.
0: Yeah, but it's interesting. I mean, the way in which they will, again, uh, to summarize, the way in which they will defend L.A., because I think that you, um, there are interesting matchups, and the yeah. way in which uh, they can go against Zubach and and Harold.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah, man. Uh, I'm so interested to see, i would love to see Baisley get a shot at LeBron, because he's got the length. He doesn't have the strength, but he's he position-wise, like he's been in position a lot of yeah. times on guys. And but LeBron he can't will hold on in the post; like, oh, no. he will
0: be destroyed in the yeah, post. Like LeBron will post him up like ten times.
1: I know. I just want to see it though, even if he gets killed. Yeah, I want to see yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, you yeah, know, fair, fair. He's At been, least LeBron it's, has been not so native. good, man. He's been so good. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'm I'm interested. I think these games will be very interesting. Uh, I Again, I loved your assessment of, like, what does Shea do? Especially against the Clippers, who interior defense, like you said, is not their forte. And who would have thought the Clippers, the Lakers, would have a, a better net rating uh, to 13 games in than the Clippers? Like, the Lakers are a 9.3 net rating, best in the league. Clippers, 6.5, still really good. But, like, 6.5 is tied with Miami and Phoenix, um, mm-hmm. which is kind of funny. Uh, but the the best defensive rating in the league goes to the Lakers at 99.9, which is wild. Like, that's a wild yeah. number. And the Clippers are 11th, 104.4. And the Clippers are missing guys, and they're sitting guys, and I know there's inconsistency there to the max. And so that's what has led to that, and I think they're a better team than the 104.4 indicates, but the interior defense is a real thing, and it's a thing that's that they're going to have to figure out, and I think they'll have to address it personnel-wise uh, as they get closer to the playoffs. They're going to have to make a trade. Uh, they're going to have to do something, because I, I don't think that you can go into the postseason, especially with some of the big guys you have to play against and rely on, on Zubash or um, even Harrell as a guy that's going to play you know 30 to 40 minutes a game and defend the interior because it's still important it's still important to defend the rim and I know it's a positionless league but guys that can defend the rim there's a lot of them out there and some of them are not very expensive uh, Northerns well for one like just yeah. having a guy like that that can just defend the rim is important and so um, I'll be that's the storyline to me to, to watch for because I think If they have somebody that can defend the interior, I think they will be unstoppable. Um, So I'm interested to see how the Thunder fare um, getting to the rim with Chris Paul and Shea um, and see if Ferguson continues to go because Ferguson went to the bucket a couple of times and I was a little surprised, honestly. Yeah, Yeah, I was surprised. I was surprised to see him do that because usually he's been swinging the ball instead of doing that. And so I'm interested to see if he continues to go at him in which the Clippers are a little vulnerable there.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh Noel makes so much sense. Uh, it's almost for, for both teams, to be yeah. honest. Like uh, Howard is playing great basketball so far. Um so maybe uh, the Clippers will have a tiny little bit more interest in, in Noel than interest the, on Noel than the Lakers. But yeah, I mean, it, it he makes sense there and the contract is a non-factor, so he can go there for a guy like Camiglioni. Mean, oh. I don't know if they want to sacrifice him for now. I was, about, Noel, to say, I was but,
1: about to say that. But how would, excited would you be? Well, uh, I would, to be honest,
0: because I, I think the Camiglioni makes a lot of sense for a team like OKC. He's yeah. not like a fine player, so he will not raise your ceiling. But it's it's a player I would work with. So yeah, so yeah.
1: No, I think that trade makes so much sense for both teams, and. To bring in a guy that I mean, Kevin Gailey most likely will never be the quality of player that Nerlens Noel is because it's really hard to take a guy at the end of the first round and even turn them into like a rotation player. Like a lot of those guys don't work out. Like if you're playing the odds, he doesn't work out. But his motor is awesome. He can shoot it. He can defend the. He can defend the rim. Uh, he's not ready to play big NBA minutes now. No. But throw him out there. See what he can yeah. do. And if he doesn't do anything, I don't think you lost a whole lot. And if he does, then you got a guy. I just, I don't know. I would love it. I really liked him in the draft. I thought that, I thought he could be an impactful player. And I was kind of jealous when the Clippers got him. So I think it's a deal that makes sense for both squads. Because I think that Nerlens can help you today. And, no. you know, I don't know exactly where the minutes go. Because I think they probably value Zubach quite a bit. Um, but when it comes to defending guys in the interior, I think that Nerlens can be super helpful.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I completely agree. I don't know if they play Zubat only because Harrow cannot start. Uh, yeah. Because you want to bring your. Not, not because he can't start, but because Doc loves to bring an energy uh, oh, yeah. skilled big man from the bench. So oh, yeah, I think the transition from Zubat to, to Noel will be pretty easy to do.
1: Yeah, I think so. Okay, McKelly, anything else before we go? Uh, well, no, enjoy, just enjoy. Let's
0: enjoy a very good week of uh, basketball. We yeah. get to see the best teams, and I think we will be. Uh, it will be a very interesting basketball week for us.
1: Yeah, for sure. Uh, follow McKelly on Twitter, at MikeyBerry. He's a great follow. He's always got great tweets after the game, so go check him out. You can listen to both of us on Thunder After Dark throughout the week as well. You can subscribe to that at patreon.com backslash Team. If you're looking for more Thunder content, you can find us there. Uh, You can follow me on Twitter at Andrew K. Schlecht. You can find our podcast on Twitter at Down2Dunk. Leave us a five-star iTunes review if you got a chance. If you have the purple podcast app, it's very simple. Click on it, search Down2Dunk, click five stars, you're done, and you did a great thing for our podcast. So hope you guys have a wonderful day, and we'll talk to you guys again on Wednesday with Alex Spears.